Okay. Hey. AJ, we are back, dude. We're in it. It was it's, like that was like three weeks, man. It's been a long time. I know we said third. We don't have a plan here, you guys. <laughs> we try to. Some people like su- I'm super stoked. They are like to the T. We're we always so. put these episodes out right now, but. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, not when you have the kind of life that we have, right. um, because we were both. I got. I'm just. I'm two weeks you. out of influenza B. Yeah, and, and that's you, the big hitter right I, now. Yes. Oh, it's terrible. Oh God, it's everywhere. Did you get it? I didn't get it. I got strep throat. Oh, that's see, that's Dude, just annoying. I, well, it is, and so I don't have tonsils, and, uh, and I don't have wisdom teeth. Okay. So like you like the big thing apparently is like you have to have tonsils to really get like strep throat. Okay. And so so you shouldn't have gotten so it. So I shouldn't have gotten it. So every time I feel like I'm getting strep throat, I don't really get it. It's like gone in like a day or two. I got hit so hard and it is the worst sore throat I've ever had Ugh. probably in my life. Like it was so bad. Like after I got like, uh, they, they give you antibiotics and stuff. I actually went to the doctor, which I don't normally do. But when I got done and I like my throat started unswelling, my neck hurt. Ooh, That's how bad it was. Bad I, it I couldn't was. turn my head the right way. It was so bad. dude. There's two important parts of your body that you don't realize how important they are until yeah. something goes wrong. And yeah. one's your back. Yeah. Like if you pull something in your back, oh my it God. ruins your life. And the other one to me is my throat. If my throat goes bad, I I'm I just want to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I was, man. I was dead to the world for like two, two and a half days. Dude, I went, I finally had my studio time for my drum covers videos. Okay. Uh, so like two Wednesdays ago, three Wednesdays ago. Nice. And as I'm driving down there in the morning for an eight hour session, I'm yeah. just going, I don't feel good. You feel like you're getting that. I don't ick. feel good. God and damn. so I, I did, it didn't go as well as I wanted That's it to. I bad. still churned it out, but That's good. the minute I, I woke up on Thursday, it was like, okay, I don't feel good. Then, um, I got the influenza test on Friday night, had influenza B, had to play Gallagher blue door oh, on Saturday. God. I so, was going to say you had several shows. It in, was in, t- in that time. Yeah, frame. Gallagher was bad because me and Corey both had influenza B. But you oh can't just God. cancel a show that people bought tickets to. Yeah, you just can't do it. Yeah, Mason and Jerry were fine. That's important. Okay. They can sing. Me and Corey showed up with full blown masks. We wore masks yeah. the whole day. Yep. As a very respect responsible human, like I cannot get any of my friends. You guys my singers sick. gone Pearl Jam style. Had different separate green rooms. We did you, at the Paramount. You did good. <laughs> good. We we just didn't spend any time among each other because then we knew we had the Paramount. Yeah. This past weekend, and luckily Mason and Jerry did not get sick. That's I'm good. Did you, I'm still don't. I just feel weak as shit. Yeah. It was more annoying than anything. Did the Paramount go okay? Paramount was awesome. Was it Paramount Theater this year? This is the fourth year we've done it and this was my favorite of all four years wow really it didn't sell out um the last two years it sold out this year we were like 50 60 tickets away from sellout okay but it it didn't matter i mean like because you know corn was in town every yeah you had a lot of things going on around you like literally down the street from you like everywhere there's seven thousand people at the cell center yeah not that corn is a direct competition to us but cedar Rapids is small enough to where there are people that just go where the crowds go well yeah absolutely 50 60 tickets 
states is there's enough people that were like, oh, I'm going to go see Corn instead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they, like, they're just music lovers. I would have gone to the pork yeah. tortillas, but I really like bagpipes. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, honestly, the, the, even though we were short of a sellout, the crowd felt the biggest it's ever felt from Great. start to finish. Nice. Like sometimes people just leave, you know, like it's, it's a fairly affordable ticket, yeah. what we're offering. So, yeah. oh, we're going to go do something else after their intermission or whatever. This was start to finish. Place was fucking packed. There was an energy in the building. Like our, we had just gone through, that was our third theater show in a row of the same set list, same production. So like it was seamless. Yeah. Our crew, man, our, our, our video guy, uh, Scott Olinger, our, sorry, our lights guy, Scott Olinger, Matt Morgan does our video while Doug Johnson does our sound. I mean, it was perfect. Just on. It was just, dude, it's such a high man. That's great. Um, And Mason, um, we came, we, we, we got called out for an encore we're like, what are we going to do? Like the normal bulls on parade, parade, parade. He goes, no, I got this. And Mason and Jerry walk out and they just played this weird solo, solo version of dancing on my own by Robin. Really? If, if you don't know the I song, know the you song. know, yeah, I love it's song. like this dance song, right? Yeah, they yeah. played like this super acoustic version of it that the, 1600 oh people were singing were back all in on that. We never played it before. Yeah. And that was the encore. And it was wow. just like, kind of tearing up a little bit it was it was so cool to know that people actually chose to come out and see us is a is an unbelievable thing yeah and then to hear people say that was one of the best shows i've ever seen that you guys play and that's i i I hope that that's uh i hope that that's like justifying to you i hope that that you know what i mean yeah it it does feel good okay it feels good it's not like a oh See, I told everybody, look how good we are. It just yeah. makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. That that our product, that the work we've put in, is actually worth it. Yeah, because people do care. That's yeah, that's awesome. So it would, dude. It was Great. super. It was super awesome, man. And Very cool. uh, the year before at the Paramount was Ian Draves playing with Birdchild, Birdchild with us, ahead, yeah. which was why I thought this would be a perfect time to get Ian on the episode. This mm-hmm. is uh, shit. This is episode number forty-two. Two? And Ian Dreyes, we'll talk about it in the episode, but we had him on, <laughs> we had him on episode seven, seven. and it did not go very no, well. No, uh, well, like not saying, because of Ian. No, because of me. I blame it on Kurt Burgers. Oh yeah. Kurt that Burgers. Damn Kurt Burgers King. And Kurt <laughs> damn Burgers King. Uh, but if you don't know Ian Draves, I mean, Ian Draves is literally uh, one of the nicest guys mm. around and probably one of the most talented dudes. Very around. talented individual. Uh, his, his base skills are top notch in this area yeah if, if you're talking about bass players he's in your top five guaranteed That's maybe right. maybe top three maybe top one if yeah. you're talking about bass players absolutely i mean he well because he and he's made a good name for himself to mm-hmm. to be accessible as well i mean we uh, i know he'll get into it and talk about it how he's gone from show to show to show in the same night and totally. all that stuff and he works really hard at it and he's getting to a point now that it's uh i think paying off for him yeah uh, he, uh, in a multiple ways exactly so. he talks about how he's now a, a full-time essentially musician how he's yeah. making it work mm-hmm. how his background brought him to music uh how he's doing w- the untouchable you can't do this yeah. but you can be in an original band and a cover band at the same how, time guys how dare you straddle the Ooh, fence don't do it <laughs> but uh you'll, you'll have to check this out episode number 42 uh, with our buddy Ian Draves. Let's uh, let's start it right now. What right do you say? Now. Without further ado. Do it. Yeah. Ian Draves, how are you? I'm doing good, man. <laughs> See, AJ laughs. Yeah, that's right. Hang on, that's how it's it goes. Try it again. Ian Draves, how are you? I'm doing swell. Don't laugh. 
He kind of laughed. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's something. E, so, okay, Ian Draves of uh, Soul Sherper and, and Bird Child, we'll get to that later, but we yep. felt... We felt we had to bring Ian back in because <laughs> let's go back to uh, 2018, episode number seven yeah. of the then Cedar Rapids music scene podcast. We've, we've evolved so much with the Iowa God. music podcast yeah. now, but we had, we had you and Kurt Burgess yes. on an episode. Uh, and for some reason, yeah. your microphone basically just didn't work. Yeah. I'll never live this down, will I? <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's fine because that could that's that could happen at any point to any episode that we ever do. Yeah. But if you go back and listen to it, it was actually a really good episode. But some of it some of it didn't translate well because we had to like mm-hmm. if you were talking while all of us were talking, you couldn't really hear you, but then we'd have to like boot you can hear the room noise right. go up. AJ salvaged it like a pro. <laughs> yeah. And it is awesome. But like we felt like we had to we had to redo the Ian Drays. Plus, yeah. you know, uh, if you remember correctly, I actually went back and listened to that mm. today. Uh, we got a little controversial on this. That was, was a hot take one right it, from the get-go. It was right from the get-go, and it got a little controversial. Um, it started off with a lot of, like, uh, like I was calling out that stupid meme that's like, well, if you're going to pay me to be in a band, you got to think about practice and that's insurance right. and, and, yeah, and electric bills. And so maybe that was the downfall. Maybe that was the start of everyone hating me yeah. and me <laughs> leaving the group. I don't know. So I say we try it again. I'm, I'm okay with that. You want to try it again? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know if <laughs> take I... Take two. As I say, I'm coming in with hot takes hot as soon take as it two. comes in. Ian know? kept telling me he's got all these hot takes, so yeah. I'm just pretty excited. I, mm. I mean, I'm not... I'm. I'm an open book today. Shoot the fire. <laughs> Do we need to pause to make sure his microphone is working? Because that would be awesome if it didn't work again. Uh, let's go ahead and double check. No, we don't need to do that. Here, word from our sponsors. In fact, why don't you crack me a Guinness there, Ian? I there do. You. Do you have a bottle opener? Uh, yeah, of course there, I do. It's a drum a key slash bottle opener. Do you see that? That's, that's, that's a cool that. idea. It's a brass, and it actually will bend quite a bit. So you kind of have to like, yeah, yeah you see that? Leverage. Here, this watch this. The way here so I don't bump yeah, 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 yeah. AJ, I got to give you props. AJ's experiencing a uh, drinkless February, I yeah. think is what they call that. Do they yep. call it drinkless February? That's all you can call it. <laughs> it's got to have some silly name. We're just going to sit here and drink. And <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's okay. okay. That's part. You have to yeah. endure that. If you're Absolutely. going through this, this is part of the process. This is, it's my responsibility. It's my thing, guys. You, I'm not going to put it on you. <laughs> it you is, don't do that. It is my job to make you feel like you need one, but that's to right. resist. That's right. You're Good. helping me out, guys. <laughs> this is what the face of alcohol looks like. Do okay. you want to look like this? <laughs> the face of alcohol. The These are pretty sexy alcohol. looking faces over here. So the one thing we didn't do, and I wanted to make, that's why I went back to that episode was we didn't really dive into like your background in general. Yeah. Um, you know, where you come from, how you got interested in music, how you started playing music. I'd love to hear that. Um. So I, I, I don't know if you might be, you might've been around. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, Mike, but uh, my dad was a guitar player. Um, he actually went to Berkeley when he was 16 years old. Really? Yeah. Um, he went there for a year, uh, probably got scared shitless and then <laughs> dropped out, you know, as a 16 year old moving by yourself out in Boston, just being like, oh, Boston, I'm, good God. I'm a guitar player. And then you can only imagine the amount of guitar players that are there when you're there. You know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you knew this, that I applied to Berkeley oh. as a... 17 year old drummer who couldn't read music who was like I'm gonna be a rock and roll star someday they were like we're very sorry but uh, we're rejecting your application and I couldn't understand why (laughs) and now I'm like oh 
Okay, yeah, I'm not good. <laughs> Continue. So um, that's where most of my my inspiration in music came from was was him. I, I grew up in a musical household, and and w- once my dad dropped out of Berkeley, came back, met my mom, created my brother and me, and everything like created. that. Created. <laughs> um, created. He actually uh, he took over for. I know a lot of people know. From being Steve Bray's place, but he took it over from Steve Bray. Um, it was Relics Records, a record store. Oh yeah, my dad was the crazy frizzy haired person with the seriously crazy hair colors all the time. That was my I dad. Remember that? I mean, what years was that? That was oh, like I was. I mean, I was born in '92, so it would have been like I mean, it was the end of Relics Records? I think was it was in 2001. 2002. Okay, that sounds about right. I came yeah. in like '96. Yeah, to town. So that makes that makes sense. Yeah, you came into town when I was four years yeah, old. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I was only five. No, Back I wasn't. In my I day. Was, um, <laughs> so I grew up in a record store. I mean, my dad owned it by the time when I was born. So I grew up like listening. My dad had a huge Miles Davis collection, and he was a huge Kiss guy, and all these different weird bands and stuff like that. And I just grew up in a household with it all the time. Like he was playing something. Um, Every every day he'd have a new CD on, and you know either in the store or at home or something. So like I was just so you just this was a natural part of life was hearing music, being around music constantly. Yes, it's weird because AJ can attest to this. Some some musicians are like, yeah, my parents never listened to music, and mm-hmm. n- and it was never a part of our life. And some were like, no, this was how we grew up. It's just life, how it existed. Yeah. Music will find a way, <laughs> kind of like Jurassic Park. Like right. life will find a way. Jeff Jeff Goldblum up in here. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. I've thought about it for like social media purposes, but I know my mom's got photos laying around. I'll have to see if I can beg her for them. But she's got old photos of me of like as a three or four year old kid, and my dad would be playing a gig, and I would be up on stage with like a green neon green plastic guitar, like fake it rocking out and stuff that like that when I was awesome. three. So oh, it's like man. it came to fruition a little bit, I guess. I I, yeah, know. sort of. You 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 can't force. When I'm here, I don't have kids, but you know, you talk to your parents and you talk to other parents or friends that have kids. It's like you can't, you know what you want them to do, but you can't force that on them. So yeah. it's kind of weird that, I mean, did you feel like they were forcing music onto you? Oh, no. You I think, just, I think you just my, fell in love with it. it I was think my dad atmosphere. thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I think my mom was just like, eh, keeps him busy, you know? Like, keeps, keeps him out of the riffraff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, and the, the funny thing about it was, it's like, I, I didn't. I wasn't like one of those kids that was born in a musical family that started super early. I didn't start on piano when I was like four years old or anything. Like, yeah, you weren't a child prodigy. Yeah, I wasn't just like this kid on YouTube that shreds. When did like you crazy. start? When did you decide to start playing something? Um, so my last mo- year. <laughs> last year, I've been playing for a year now. Um, now my my mom, when I was in fifth grade, my mom bought me a this cheap like knockoff Squire short scale P bass thing. And it was like surf green and just nasty. And we bought it at a garage sale for I think like thirty bucks. Wow! And I played it, and I didn't know what the heck I was nope. doing. And I thought I was rocking out, but I was just playing open strings and just, you know, yeah. beating on it and stuff like that. Um, and then sixth grade came around, and they're like, "Okay, so you're gonna have to either be in band, choir, or orchestra, and you have no, you know, this is what you have to do." And I thought about it, and I was like, "Well, there's no way in hell I'm gonna sing. Like I don't. I did that for." <laughs> Five years already. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, and I don't know. My brother played cello, and I don't know. Orchestra kind of spoke to me, and so I ended up picking up the the big double bass because I played oh, that. Nice. Um, and it's uh, it's tuned the exact same way as electric. So I, I everything I started learning at school with this big upright thing, I took it home and played it on the cello. The you got little, a bass exactly. <laughs> turn around on its side, and I got knobs and stuff. But yeah, no, it was. 
That's how I just it and started you, that way. You, were you essentially getting that double treatment of learning learning to read um, in orchestra, but then also like messing around yourself, writing music, trying to just come up with your own riffs and stuff like that? Were you doing like the double the double sided learning experience? Yes and no. I mean, like the 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 garage band side of more things like that, like the non school activities were like I, I just learned like songs that I was really into at the time, which I was an angsty little bitch when I was a kid. So I was listening You say that like we were <laughs> I think every like you know young boy when they're like you know twelve. You think man, you think the world is just so and you gotta buy the balls right? and you're like, <laughs> and, and that's that's not to go off on a tangent, we'll come back on that, but uh corn was just in town and and like dude Corn was my oh my god! Did <laughs> you were I competing with him, man? I, I know it's kind of <laughs> weird. I related so much with these like I hate my dad lyrics, but like then you get older and you're like, my dad's fucking awesome. Like <laughs> yeah, what, exactly. what, what am I mad about? Right. <laughs> anyway, go back. <laughs> well, like the first, and I still tell this to people because I think it's kind of funny because a lot of people you know know me as like a jazz guy or whatever. But uh, the first baseline I learned was Green Day's Long View, which is like a walking oh, baseline. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I learned that, and I felt so accomplished. Like sixth grade me coming out in like the shower in the morning, just like oh, yeah. world, <laughs> you know. Like I don't know. I just I I was instantly enamored with it, but I wasn't I wasn't good. I don't think obviously nobody is when they no. first start, but um, you think you are, but you're not. And the the crazy part is is like I. Uh, I when I played at school, I was terrified, like absolutely bloody to terrified to play in front of people. And I was the one bass player. Oh god! And our orchestra director at the time would have everybody do their scales in the morning, and each group would go by themselves. But I'm my only person. I'm the only person in my group, so I had to play by myself. And as soon as I would play, everybody would turn around and eyes on me, and I would have yeah. panic attacks, like freak out. Um, and uh, I, I didn't know, like, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. I just, like, did not like people paying attention to me, uh, even though I watched my dad do it for years. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it was like, how does he do it kind of thing. And um, at the time, my dad was actually getting really sick, um, and he uh, eventually passed away when I was in seventh grade. And it was the weirdest thing. Like, I did not go to school. Uh, I was, like, I, I wasn't a big uh, – I, I didn't have fun in school when I was younger. Like, I was kind of teased a lot and stuff like that, and, like, I didn't have as many friends – as other people had and stuff like that. So um, I remember I came back. My mom finally convinced me to go back to school after two weeks or so after my dad passed away. And uh, a buddy of mine had convinced me to be in jazz band that year. And the reason being is you play bass and nobody else does. Can you do it? <laughs> we don't We don't care. We don't like you. We just need you. No, I mean, like, <laughs> I know. Just no, we yeah. Well, I mean, like. That's how most bass players are. I'm yeah. Well, I'm just, I mean, I still get asked to do gigs that way right course, now. Like, yeah. we, you're a bass player. Can you do this? You know, but. Um, and so when I, the, the day that I came back to school, I knew something was going to be messed up because uh, it's the last period of the day. We're sitting there and everybody in the seventh grade class floods in my history room. And I'm like, what the hell? And my buddy who had asked me to be in jazz band gets up and goes, hey, man, like we all heard about what happened. We're really sorry for you. And the whole class put in a couple bucks and got me a music go round gift card. No way. Oh, wow. Um, I can't remember how much was on it, but it was enough to buy. Whatever. Right. And like it was enough to buy me my first amp and my first like decent electric bass. Wow. Wow, And um, I felt like I had friends and stuff. Like it was like crazy. And I came back when I came back to school. I excelled in music. Yeah, I don't know what people could pay attention to me. Confidence all of a sudden in that. 
I never freaked out again from people looking at me weird and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I started becoming, you know, excelling and getting in the honor programs and all these kind of different things. And I was like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be what I did. You did you then like decide that like playing in bands was going to be a thing? Uh, You know, that's that's usually because what when was this? That was seventh eighth grade. Seventh grade. That's that's when most people go through the uh huh. Yep, I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to be super famous and I'm going to start a band. That's usually when that starts. You know, coming out of junior high into high school. I because I think I started at such a I started in such a scholastic way. I looked. I always looked at it scholastically. I looked at like, okay, I'm going to go to high school and be in the top jazz band, and then I'm going to go to college and be in their jazz band, and I'm going to learn music theory. It wasn't like touring touring rock band mode. Like, I even told people when I was in high school and college, like, I want to be a professional musician, and the thing is, I wanted to be a a studio musician. Yes. I didn't want to be the guy who's going out touring like seven days a week and everything. I'm not a big... I'm not a big outgoing kind of guy right. because of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. When so I was that young, I was already thinking that far ahead, I guess. So it. was like Soul Sherpa your first band? Yeah. Really? It was my, wow. fir- well, my, my first band. I played in a couple things before then, but nothing like, you know, more than a gig or two at a time. Um, but Soul Sherpa was the, my first kind of outing into the gigging, like not your, this is a, you know, wine tasting and you're in the corner library kind of gig, right. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, Soul Sherpa was the first time branching out into that. When did me. Soul Sherpa start? Oh, gosh. Um, so Soul Sherpa started when I was 22, and I'm 27 now, so five years. Okay, ago. so five years. And I yep. mean, that's probably, that's gone through some evolutions too. I mean, you've oh, changed yeah. members, you've mm-hmm. kind of changed pretty much a lot of things about that band over the last five years, haven't you? Yeah, that band is ever growing and ever changing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, when I first made it, it was going to be um, like a five-piece band, and then that bloomed into being a ten-piece band. <laughs> and uh, we, we've realized that ten is a little ridiculous. And now we're down. Like finally, we're now down to eight, and eight's kind of like where we're comfortable with being. Um, you know, I mean, I've I've learned a lot of stuff about just being in a band and being a musician over the last couple of years doing this and everything like that. Mainly because. The whole project is pretty much anchored on my arm. Well, you're a ba- you're a band leader. I oh, mean, like yes. you're socially this was your band mm-hmm. that you said I it wasn't like you were where most people start a band and say, Hey, we should all start a band together. It's it's kinda like you were like, This is what's going to happen and I need to find the people for it, right? Yeah. I mean that's how that's how it went. Yeah. Um I well, I, I went to school for music. I went to Kirkwood. Um I, I applied to a couple of music colleges and the ones that I got accepted into, I, I just didn't like, I, I didn't have enough money and I didn't want to put myself in. That is such a scary thing to put yourself in that much debt over a music degree. Cause it's like, you have no guarantee that you're going to get any job there's ever. Some, there's some bad degrees out there. The music <laughs> one might be degree job is a, is a bad one. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I mean, not to rag on anybody who have them because no, the never have them are amazing musicians. Dude, you're exactly. one of, you're one of the best musicians I, I know, but and that's because you studied it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I, I went to school for a couple of years and found out that I was going to be a dad. And that was a very, you know, shift, like a mental shift for me. And I was, you know, cause like before it was like, I'm going to like move to Nashville. It's about you. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to like start yep. becoming a recording artist and everything. It's like, Oh, you're going to be a dad. Okay. I'm going to stay at home now. Yes, now um, I need to make I, that money. I'm going to make some money and stuff. So I, I finished my third year of school, but I got all my music stuff done that I was right. Right. 
the music theory and, and I got to work with a lot of amazing musicians out there. But when I got done, I like, I remember like it was like two months after me not go after the school year had started again and I wasn't in school. I was like, this sucks. I got to do something. Yeah. And that's when I made the band. And that's when you started the band. Yeah. I, uh, I just started, uh, I called my drummer that I play with at Kirkwood and I was like, come on, man, I'm making Let's a band. And he was like, all right, I got it. And I called my guitar player and he was down to do it. And so like those three people, like us three, we started what so, became it. So what was the goal just to, just to have fun and make music? Or was there a goal I'd, to say we could do something really cool with this? I, my expectation of that band was so small that I didn't even think that band was ever going to play a gig. Just let's and just, it just have fun. And it, yeah, it was just like we're gonna jam out basically like we did when we were in college and stuff like that. Maybe eventually record something maybe, if maybe you, not, know, you know, no, whatever, whatever came out of it. And uh we got our asked to play our first gig and I um, we got done playing it and I was just freaking like wait, they paid us to do that? <laughs> let's do more of that. Like <laughs> you know, hype. But yeah, so I it was it was uh Definitely different than what I was used to, but I, I mean, I've I've played a couple like rock shows and stuff before that and, and things like that, but when Soul Sherpa started, that was kind of like the eye-opening spot of like, I want to do this. Was that giving you a different feel? Because uh, it's very similar, but I feel like it's also very different because I did the same thing. I, I played in like jazz bands and orchestra bands in high school and marching band where you're you're getting that taste of a... Of a um, of being in front of people and having them be like, this is great. And you're like, wow, I love being on stage. But then you take 20 to 30 to 40 people and you shrink that down to five people. And, and now you've, you're, you've written this music and people are on like, you know, yelling at you going, this is so great that you I mean, did that all of a sudden spark something for you to, to say, man, playing music, writing music, being on stage is one of the coolest things. Um, you know, the, the, the stage thing, I guess, just kind of, it never really phased me. I, the first time I actually, after the whole, the whole thing that happened in middle school, I, every time I went and played in front of anybody, I mean, it didn't bother me. And I got some really cool opportunities in high school. Like I got to play in Carnegie Hall with my orchestra one year, which was uh, super pretty sweet. cool. We've had two people that have played Carnegie Hall that's on right. our Iowa Music Podcast. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, yes. Amy Stoner. <laughs> Amy Stoner. And, um, and I, I got like other, we played like in this conference in Chicago and all these different things, you know, in front of a bunch of like one of the worst kind of gigs ever is to play music in front of other music <laughs> teachers. That is oh, the worst God. thing. And I've played a lot of those. So if you can what get about other musicians, other musicians is not as much because you're, you're almost expected to yeah. have somebody go like, you're not that good, man. <laughs> Arms uh, crossed. What was that? Like a, a Mixolydian scale, dude? I could do that. You know, we've uh, been there, done that. Yeah. But, <laughs> dude, practice your arpeggios, bro. Like, you know, like whatever. But music teachers is a completely different thing. Cause it's like, you, you know, like they're the overseers. So at least like, that's how I grew up. You know, like my music teachers were the people who like, you know, whip me into shape and everything like, like that. whiplash. <laughs> no, yeah. it was never like, never that. like that. <laughs> I did have uh, uh, a, a high school band director who was an incredible director. And I thank him every day for what he's helped me become. But he was, he was never an abusive, like yes. crazy guy like that. But he actually taught me how to be responsible. I think it was him. Cause it was like, you know, practice starts at four yes. and it ends at five. Yes. And that's the way it is. Yes. If you're late, you're going to hear about it. You know, like that's the way it is. But at, you know, at the same time, five o'clock, we were done every yes, single we time. Were done no matter what. And that's how I run my rehearsals with that. My band now is like, it's like, that's, I, I, that's good structure. Yeah. Very structured guy. But, um, but I, like I said, playing on stage, I, I've got, I, I got so much experience playing on stage, just doing high school stuff. Like I had like a college type band experience 
when I was in high school because I had amazing directors and just an amazing program. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So many of my friends that I went to high school with her, like, were killer musicians. Like, I was the bad one in high school. That's the funny part. Is like, that's I mean, pretty impressive. That, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. And the funny thing is, all those kids who were better than me in high school don't play music know, for a living. I know. And it, like, one of them's like a heart doctor, and one of them's a comedian in LA. And I'm like, man. Okay, you guys are awesome. I guess like I, I I was mediocre, and now I'm you know like man though you do see that music's one of those things where I I went through it. We talk about this on the podcast a lot, where you think okay, now I'm an adult. Music is for kids, mm-hmm. right. you know. Like you sort of go through that moment where not many. It's like a funnel, you know. Everybody can play in high school and college, and then not many actually keep playing right in some professional. It's just like sports. It very you know much I mean? like it's just sports, like sports. Dude. You play you play soccer or football in high school and Everybody then the did. people get weeded out and then you go some go to college and they play, but then how many go to the pros? You yeah. know, how many do it for a living? It's you know? very true. It's very, very slim amount of people that do it. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I mean that like that's uh, that was a really long explanation, but well, that no. was my musical like upbringing, I guess, is how it's gotten me to where I am now, I guess. So how yeah. did uh how did Birdchild come about? Uh, if if for those that don't know, Soul, Soul Sherp is all original, mo- mostly all original. You still need to play that so Spoda Spody Dopey Dopalicious Angel Outcast cover <laughs> that I want you to do, but Soul Sherpa is mostly original, but uh, Birdchild is actually some old friends of mine that started a new kind of cover band project that you play bass for. So how did that come about? Um, I actually I was I was talking I was talking to my my members in Soul Sherpa about this the other day. Is like I think a lot of my uh, my appeal in the scene has come from just being in that band because that's how I mean I I don't think I would be in Birdchild if I wasn't in Soul Sherpa. Okay, because I think that's how people started under like, I, knowing. That's my how name. I would know who you are. Is right, from Soul Sherpa. Uh, and that, that is one of the most unique bands that our area has ever had. Mm-hmm. If let's put it that way, no one else as far has as original, done anything like, like that, that as far yeah. as original music. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I got to know, I've gotten to know so many people in the music scene and everything, a lot of friends and, and everything. And one of those guys was Tyler, uh, Tyler Stewart. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I think you originally gave the Birdchild boys Tyler's name, I think is what I've been told. Like you, you know the- what, because if I can go back in time here, I think Tyler played drums with maybe even like strays. Like Josh Meisner, did he, he ever sit in? I don't know. I, I remember I just saw Tyler one time. I was like, who the fuck is this? And he's the best, and <laughs> I don't really want to play drums anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that, he's, what, he's really That good. was the first thought I had about Tyler. And so uh, somehow they, they they reached out to Tyler first. Yep, to play drums. To play drums. And then they asked, like, do you know any bass players? And I, the first person in Tyler's mouth was me. He and I was bring him the over. The crazy part is I never had played with Tyler. Nope. I have never sat down in a room with Tyler. I have literally I, – it was one of those friends that's like, you play music, dude. I play music, dude. We're friends on Facebook. We're now, friends, kind of dude. Thing. Yeah, like yeah. that's how that happened. And then – um, yeah, I just out of nowhere got a uh, hit up from, from Justin and he was like, Hey, uh, Tyler Stewart hey, said your name. Like, uh, you want to play bass in this cover band? And you know, that's, I mean, that's a reoccurring subject in this podcast all the time is the cover band versus yeah. original thing. What's and your, I had, what's your initial thought at and that, that point? My initial thought was like, Oh God, here it comes. Like, all right, Soul Sherp is dead. I'm playing cover bands. Yeah. Now that's what it's going to be. And sign your deal with the <laughs> devil. Ian. Yeah. Like, yeah, done. It's done. <laughs> I'm done. I gave up. <laughs> and it was like what a year ago, so it was like twenty six. Like, twenty six. I'm done. Like, I'm done so, playing music. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I thought about it, and then 
And I think Justin knew that because I, 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 I think he must have looked, I think he told me he looked up Soul Sherpa or something like that and he saw what I was doing originally. And so I think he came at it in a way where he was like, we're going to make money. It's going to be fun. We're going to play big shows. Like he, like he was like trying to sell the band to me, not to be like, Hey, you want to play in a band? Well, that's, that's pretty important. Those are things that he was selling to you and and they were truth. It was like, he wasn't lying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to take what you're doing in soul Sherpa and maybe the things you might possibly be lacking in the band. I can provide for you. Yeah, it was, I mean, he, he just phrased it in a way where, you know, uh, cause I told him, I'm like, I, I was, I'm still like this with them too, but I told him it's like soul strip is my baby, 100%. my brainchild, and that will always come first. Yes, like no matter. I think what. they could appreciate that probably, right? And he was just like, "All right, man, we'll do it." Like I'm, I'm cool with that. If you're cool with it, like, like come on over and play. And like we played, and you know, I've been, I've been playing for dang near 18 years yeah. now, um, and I still, even if I'm going to play with people I've never played before, I still get really nervous. All the time. Totally. And I go over to their house, and I'm super nervous, like shaking. Whose house did you go to? It was Justin's house. Okay, like his Iowa City house? Yeah, okay. Iowa City. And I'm, like, getting all nervous. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I don't know if I'm going to know how to play. Well, well, the thing is, like, the way he advertised it, like, oh, we're going to make money. It's with big shows and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to play one wrong note, and I'm going to have somebody, like, you know. Like, no. Right. I'm gonna, I get <laughs> over me. there, and I meet Drew Birdsall. <laughs> and I'm like. Okay. <laughs> and like we, we played for maybe 45 minutes, like yeah. us four, five, us five. And then we went out and we just talked shit for like an hour yeah, and a half. Pretty awesome. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. It's a good vibe. This is great. I like, I like I'm having more fun just being with these guys, regardless of what do, we do. Don't you think that's one of the, the older you get, that's one of the most important factors yeah. of being in a band is enjoying the people you're just with and having a good time for a little while. The time that you're together, you can enjoy it. We gotta have fun, <laughs> no, man. Yeah, oh, you don't want to dread going to a show or practice. That yeah. is the worst. Yeah. Oh man. And, and you know, I, in when I was, when we were down in there playing or whatever, I still remember we got to a part in the song and, and we're playing and it didn't sound right. And I wasn't going to be the guy. Oh yeah. I've heard the story. Keep I wasn't going <laughs> to be the guy that was going to say anything. Cause I'm like, this is not my band. This is, I'm just, I'm just here hanging out. And we cat we played it maybe one or two more times and it keeps sounding wrong and I just kinda like raised my hands like, hey, uh that we're not playing the right chord you there. You gotta play that you gotta play this chord, I gotta play that chord. Yeah, you're like we're not playing the right chord. And like and then I think it was either Drew or Justin, but they're like, Oh, wait a minute, man, you know about music, don't you? <laughs> no, no, I don't know anything about music. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I mean, I, I went to school for it. He goes, That's right, man, you're smart. We'll listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, props to them for like for, for realizing that that maybe somebody does have some input to put yeah. into this because the best part about bird child is is I, I I'm they went to high school with my wife Molly so I've known them for a long time right and they've always just been like a duo I've heard some stories and yeah. then I played like drums for them before <laughs> yeah. with no bass player and and so they've become good friends with the Portuguese guys and one day we said dudes you can do your duo thing but you got it like you guys are so good at what you do and you fit our mold really well, find yourself a drummer and a bass player and like, let, let's throw you on some shows. Let's, let's work with you. Then like six months later, they're like, Hey, we got a full band and they bring Tyler and Ian to the show. And me and Corey are like, no, oh, no, hold on a second. Like <laughs> we didn't say get the best rhythm section in the Midwest. We said, find yourself a decent bass find player something. and drummer. But, but I'll tell you what though, you, and this is in no disrespect to, to Buster and Drew. Cause they're, I love those guys to death and they've been incredible to watch grow, but they haven't grown this much since you and, and Tyler. And then, um, sorry, what's your soul server drummer? 
Lucas. Lucas, yeah. Sorry, I always forget his name. Since since you guys have joined up with them, I have not seen this much improvement over the twenty years I've known them. I mean, I mean, you guys have really added so much to that band. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. It, 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 it's gone through some different kind of phases with it, but I think, uh, I mean, first I, I, I love those boys. Like they have literally like, I, I don't think I've ever met some <laughs> like guys and then like so quickly just become it's like a family. It, it is. Yeah. And, and like, it, it just, and like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like I feel like I got invited to the wedding and all these kind of different yeah, things right? like so quickly. And I'm like, wow, like these guys are my, my guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I had a couple conversations with them and I was like, Hey, I, to be completely honest, like I think I can make this better if you guys let me do it. And they were open to it. Right. And they're like, please do. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't anything of like, you guys are not doing good enough. It's like, we can do better. I can, I can show you the way of getting better just because like I have nine other people over there that I conduct constantly. And this is only four people for me to this tell what to do. I'm like, I can do this all day. Dude, dude, AJ, we've, we've spoke about this a ton that, yeah. that you have to look at your band as, as everyone has something to bring to the table and mm-hmm. you should be open-minded to learn from whatever anyone has to say. Um, and I've learned an countless amount of things since joining pork tornadoes from, from those guys. And I'd like to think that I've taught them mm-hmm. a lot of things too. And if you, if you guys are in a band where you're in more of a dictatorship where people are, are not listening to your ideas, but uh, making sure you listen to theirs, like you might want to take a step back and realize mm-hmm. that everybody's got something to offer, you right. know, and, cause right. you're probably learning, you're probably learning some stuff from Jew and bus as far as like, like like different shows that we're playing and 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 hanging loose and creating a family atmosphere and things like that from those dudes. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, even sometimes even musically, I, I'll I'll pick pieces apart from like you know things that they're doing and everything too. But they, uh, I actually like their marketing and social media mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Totally. Like they're on point with it, and like to me, that's been a big thing for Huge. me. Cause it's like I've I've been good at the the music <laughs> part, but yeah. everything else is like I'm freaking clueless on and so i've been able to actually poke bus and be like hey will you make me something right can you help me out (laughs) out." so um no i mean i've yeah i'm a huge huge advocate for you know no matter who you're talking to you can probably learn something from musically at least one way or another so i have two two unique takes on this that i'm hoping you can you can answer Um, all right i want to know and you can pick which one you want to go with first what has being in an original band taught you to help you in a, being in a cover band and vice versa what is being in a cover band taught you to help you in the in the original band world oh man that's uh, i mean i can i can go on both on both sides there i mean the biggest thing that i've probably taken from uh soul sherpa i mean i've i've grown with that band and uh, like you've probably grown with the portrait totally. too like people have gotten older and, and gotten significant others yeah. or fiancés or wives or children in the amount of time that we've been a band. So like big thing with my original band is like, I, I guess I didn't, I maybe didn't know the full, the fullness of this, this sentiment at the big, be- like a couple of years ago, but after playing that whole summer uh, with Birdchild last year, and we played a ton of different places and had a great time and everything um, in Soul Shipper, we, we've been on a hiatus for almost a year now because we're writing a new record and Soul Shipper only had maybe two shows left in the, in, in the year. And I, and I got done playing probably five or six shows in a row with Birdchild and I go back to Soul Sherpa and I play and I haven't, I barely have played with these guys in months and we go and play the show. And as soon as the downbeat of the first song hits, we're all just 
in that moment again. Mm. And it made me just appreciate that band because there's, there's so many times where I'm like thinking about, man, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. I'm like, why do I still do this anymore? Sometimes I get in that kind of headspace, which isn't good. Um, but I guess the big thing I've learned from the original band thing is, is what you're doing, regardless of if people indulge in it or not, it's special. If you make it special, if you're going into it with the idea of like, I only want to make money and I'm going to write cookie cutter pop songs or whatever, as long as you know that's what you're doing it for, but like for Soul Sherpa, that's that's everybody in that group. That's their heart and their soul. You know, like we put mm-hmm. everything into that music for us, and so it's just I realized how special that is to have a platform and then alone to be able to get paid or to do yeah. it in a way where people and have re- people appreciate enjoy it. it. Yeah, that's even like that's a whole nother like light year away from just being like, oh, you get to do something fun with your friends. Totally. Now it's like you get to do something fun with your friends. You get paid. People enjoy it. And you kind of have made a name for yourself. Now, for the cover band side of things, like what I've learned from that is just, um, I think with, with the cover band thing, now I'm not, I don't do the negotiations and stuff that they do, and I, but I've, I kind of watch it from the outside and they talk to me about it and everything like that. But I've realized the, I think with the cover band thing is like kind of how to stand up for yourself, but also how to like um, market yourself in a way. Uh, because I mean, like, Cover bands, all marketing. I mean, you probably know that too. Like, as long as you can play at a decent level, then from there on as a cover band is to, you know, to be pushing, um, you know, marketing-wise so people will come to your shows and stuff like that. Because just saying you're a cover band, well, there's so many cover bands, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So being able to market yourself and and show people what you're doing and everything like that. I've learned a lot of that from from being in a cover band, but also just the, the idea of like, you can negotiate as an original band. You're always you're always just kind of like, oh, you'll you'll pay us two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, oh, are you will? sure? Are you sure? Right? Like, did we do a good job tonight? You that, know what? Just keep it. You want to yeah. pat on the head? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hey, can it's I get a free drink? Or you know, like you, you get so caught up in that as an original band, but as a cover band, it you are more you it's know a business. Right? It's a business. Yeah. So you're like, this is what we deserve to get paid for, and this is like worth our time. That kind of thing, like that. And I've brought that over to Soul Sherpa cool. and being like, you know what? There We're doesn't all- have to be a line in between those. They can operate the same way. Right. They really can. It just depends on what your outlook is. Now, I'm not going to be asking for the same type of money for Soul Sherpa that like Birch I would be asking for because it is a different product. Right. But I'm going to handle them the same way yeah. in the sense that like, okay, this place wants us to play for a hundred dollars. Sorry, we got eight people and that's a lot just, of people and a hundred dollars for four hours. Everybody's getting paid like 50 cents an hour. We're, let's chill, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, that's, I guess that's what I've learned. I've learned both sides of just kind of like how to nurture something and love something and respect it. But then also how to respect yourself and like kind of market yourself and work right. that, that side of things too. Did you, uh, <laughs> what was the first show that you played with Birdchild? Was a Paramount Theater for Paramount us Theater. last year yep. sold out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's got to be. Was that weird? I mean, because I know you've done big gigs before, but is that all of a sudden weird to go from? I I had a really weird like conversation with myself because that that night, if you remember, we got done playing, and and then your mm-hmm. your your, your, mm-hmm. wa- your wife called me an asshole yeah, because had I to had leave. to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you gotta stay for the opening band. <laughs> Because uh, I had to leave and I had to go play a show with Soul Sherpa yes. down in Iowa City, and I, I came off of that show at the Paramount, just like 
I, a, I couldn't believe that I did it because yeah. it was like I literally had been playing with that band was for weeks. maybe two or three yeah. months at months, most, yeah. at most. And that was the first public show that we played together, and it's in front of all these people. So I was kind of sitting there like, you know, contemplating in my head like, did that just happen? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know what? Like, I've, I feel like I've almost paid, like the whole thing of like, you got to pay your dues kind of thing. It's like maybe a little bit of karma just hit me a little bit. It was like, you know, you've been grinding your ass off for five or six years playing this shit. Here you go. Like, here you go. Here's a really easy, fun gig for you. Yeah. You know? And so, I don't know. It was just a very weird complex in my head of like, man, they got paid a lot of money to do that. Like, <laughs> that was really cool. I'm going to make $150 with my nine person band at the mill in about five <laughs> minutes. This is going to be great. You know? like Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was, you know, I love both. I think it's just, it's such a, I think for anybody to disrespect the other side is just silly. I, the, I just, the, the important thing you're saying is that you can do both. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy both. You can enjoy one. You can enjoy the other, but they both have places in this world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I also don't understand. Um, I, maybe this is just me, but I, now I'm falling back into this Cedar Rapids music thing, which I haven't looked at the page in like <laughs> four months and my life's been better for it. But like, I've never heard a cover band say anything bad about an original band. I don't think it goes both ways. It doesn't <laughs> actually go both ways. I've never actually heard a cover band be like, fucking think they can write music? Look at these little pussies. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Anyway, what are sorry. your feelings yeah, hurt? <laughs> I was at a conversation with somebody else about something kind of similar. It's like, because I don't think, sometimes you just feel like, one, I just don't have the time to sit. Like, we're working on something here. I don't have time to, like, bitch about somebody else trying to do something else. You know what I mean? I don't have the time. You know, I think cover bands are just like, they do tend to get more of the idea of like, I'm just trying to have fun and do my thing. I don't know why you guys are upset. (laughs) So that's how I feel. I'll tell you what though there, I don't, I don't feel like cover bands get mad or have any ill will towards original bands, but I'll tell you what, I don't know if you guys are in a part of the cover band central Facebook page. That is like that 60,000. I think so. I I don't, we had Steve Witchell, the the, the founder of that. We had him on the podcast. Steve is so great. And I I feel bad for him having to sift through this, but man, if you want to see like boomers at their worst <laughs> cover oh, band God. boomers at their worst oh, wow. it boomers. makes me understand why people oh, hate cover yeah. bands because these guys are the absolute worst people I've point. ever been around in my entire life to yeah. hear them complain about back in 1980 we make 300 bucks a night we're still making 300 bucks a night <laughs> fuck Billie Eilish <laughs> <laughs> and you're like what yeah. I, I think I have wow. a little, I think I have a little bit of resistance towards that mentality uh, because um, I don't I, I, I feel bad about it but at the same time I, I don't really care too much but I'm gonna kind of throw some heat towards uh Someone in my family, funny enough, my, my, my stepdad, um, he, he was a musician too. And, um, he is totally that guy, right? Cargo shorts on stage. Probably like, no, not he, he, he's, he's different. He's mentally. Yes. Yes. Okay. Physically. No, no. Um, (laughs) no, but he is, he, you know, he would tell me all these stories of like, you know, back when I was playing in a band, we would get paid X amount of dollars and we would play covers of like, you know, these f- more famous rock bands, but the covers were always like the, the, the B sides that nobody cared about and people loved it. 
And like, it's also the same guy who now, as he watched me, you know, be, you know, when I was 18, I started playing professional gigs and stuff. Like he'd always like come up to me and be like, yeah, I tried to get in another band and they didn't like me. So they kicked me out. And I tried to get in another band. They, they kicked me like out. It. They don't like me. And it's like, well, why? And he's like, well, because their, their set list was a bunch of bullshit. Everybody knows. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because they want to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what they want to do. They actually want to get something done with their time. Like that's what they're doing. Like, if you enjoy that music, that's totally cool, but that's... Don't expect everyone Don't expect else everyone to be like, let's play that Rush song that nobody actually really knows, but it was like track seven on an album that nobody paid attention. You know, like, just because you loved it doesn't mean everybody else is going to. And, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I, I grew up in a household with a guy who was just already kind of like, you know, grumpy about music and, and still kind of show me what not to do. I yeah, guess, yeah, well, that's pretty... That's, you can learn from that too, yeah. right? Yeah. You can always... And I think... I, I think uh, that there's something to be said in general about cover bands versus original bands or even just the music scene in general is that even if you don't like something, it doesn't mean you can't learn from it. Totally. And sometimes the stuff that you you hate the most is the most you can learn from. Um, I, there's there's a, a band that has very high, like well-renowned status in this area that I went to go see. It was a couple years ago on New Year's Eve. And it, it was uh, partially kind of what got me to push even harder with Soul Sherpa was because I went to go see him on New Year's Eve and I hated it. Are you willing to say who it is? I don't know because I don't think they're <laughs> from Iowa, but I know they're really well-recepted in Iowa, the band is. Um, and I saw them. Aww. And I saw them. Is and it Death Cab for Cutie? Because I know AJ saw Death Cab for Cutie on. New no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it's a co- it's a cover band. It's it's uh, it's a, okay. it's a, it's a ah, well well known cover band in the area. From here. And I saw them playing a New Year's Eve show. And I originally went to the New Year's Eve show because my buddy's cover band was playing like opening for him. And I stayed around to listen to them. And I I listened to, like three or four songs. And I'm like, this is awful because it's like they're playing covers, but they're not even doing it well. And everybody's losing their mind. And I had like this like thought to myself. I'm like, I I want to be able to put a show on like that, but actually not suck like that. But like, but that's pretty e- that's pretty easy. And I still feel that way too. I feel that it's it's you you will see those cover bands play the the famous songs. And people, you could be off key singing, not even on beat, and like skip a chorus, but people will think it's the best show they've ever seen just because they love that song. The particular, the thing that really made me, and I, maybe it strikes too close to home, but the thing that made me actually really upset is the first song they played was Play That Funky Music, White Boy. I think I'm thinking of a different band. And they didn't. <laughs> they, well, the thing is, they didn't play it like the song. They just, the whole main riff of that song is that slap bass line. They didn't even play that. Fuck, he's talking about part tornadoes. I I'm not. And I was just so, I was I was honestly just like, this is awful. And I, I would, I don't know, like, if people are going to enjoy this, like, I know five friends back home who can play instruments 10 times better yeah. than this. If they like that, God, I, ho- I would hope they like what I can do. Yes. You know, that it kind should of fire you up more than anything. It yeah. shouldn't make you say, so I, like, I, didn't, I didn't go home, go on Facebook, and go to the, like, the page and be like, you guys suck. You guys are the worst <laughs> band ever. Bye. Period. And then, like, you know, or go to, like, the, you know, like, like everybody else seems to want to do. Like, I took that motivation. I went home and was like, how can I not suck like that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I, I think that so many people are so, cl- like, so quick to bash on something if they're just they're not familiar with it it's very true. at a certain point like even if you're it's like or the whole like, Billy Eilish sucks it's like okay you've you, the only you reason clearly, why 
The only reason why you don't like Billie Eilish is probably because you've been like force fed Billie yes. Eilish. And, you and even then, I don't feel like you have. I don't feel like anybody's been force fed Billie Eilish. Yeah, I mean, like if you you look on Facebook anymore, I mean, the like Grammys and sh- what did Billie Eilish's face when this person was announced as winner? Like some people think yeah. that's news, I guess, but <sighs> people post that stuff. Like if you're on Facebook for any reason besides just like stalking your friends' lives or something, like you'll you're force fed. You're force fed something, you know. And I but I, legitimately, if you if you can actually go, Billie Eilish is a horrible singer. You either didn't li- actually listen to any of her music, or you're a fucking idiot. She is. You don't, you don't understand what a voice is supposed she, to sound like. She played uh, acoustic on Howard Stern. They they talked for like mm. two and a half hours, and I she saw played. That. Oh my god! I was not a Billie Eilish fan. Then I heard her sing, and I said, "This is one of the best voices I've ever heard." Mm. Quick off-topic thing. Have you ever heard T-Pain sing without auto-tune? He's good, isn't he? Holy crap. Yeah, he's really good. He's like a soul singer. He's awesome. And he's the one we go, oh, auto-tune, T-Pain. T-Pain. yeah. Like, bartender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that whole thing. <laughs> well, there we go on freaking yeah. tangents again. AK, you got it? AK? AK. 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 47. That's right. In the trunk. You ever think about changing your name to AK? <laughs> Maybe. Now I am. <laughs> As long as I can become popular like Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, screenshot some Billie Eilish, Eilish uh, comments from that cover band group. Send them to you. It's pretty awesome. Fantastic. Oh, you, got that's all I need. you got any questions for Ian? I do, actually. Uh, one of them came up um, mostly because we, we got to talk a little bit before um, we hit record. And uh, you're telling me that, you know, you are... You are getting a decent amount of your income now from music and everything, oh, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. uh, so my question to you, this is going to be a, a deep dive, Ian, um, is right. it kind of is, uh, I, one, I want to know about like your scheduling and how much of that takes up your time in, in, wanna, in a you, week. You don't want to hear about that. Continue. And, and I, would, I do. I want to know how much of it takes up your time. I want to know, I, w- I also want to know, like, do you set like a, a threshold for yourself? Like what your time is worth? And like, do you just accept everything that comes your way? Like, what do you like? And then, uh, and then on top of that, you know, how do you, how do you manage it all? You know what I mean? Okay. So well, I, like, what's a, what's a schedule look like for you? Oh man. Well, yeah, as AJ just said or whatever, uh, just about six months ago, I took the plunge of no longer working 40 hours a week and just focusing on being a musician and everything like that. Uh, I still work a part-time job. Uh, so just to make some extra funds around the house, because I make a fair amount from music, but not enough, I guess, now to to, to sustain mm-hmm. comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to interrupt real quick, you're teaching lessons. Yes, you're playing Soul Sherpa and yeah. you're playing Bird Child, Bird Child and, and then yeah, whatever I, freelance stuff. I and, get on. and yeah, that's, whatever that's studio the gigs, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to know like what what it does, like what what those avenues of income are for you. You know, How, right. as a musician who's making money. You so. Know? Like I said, I, I work a part-time delivery job during the day, which is the most uh, glamorous thing about my life. Absolutely. Um, makes you feel like a really good person when you're 27 years old and you're delivering Wee. food. Um, but good food, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I do that for four hours, and then um, actually four out of five days of the week, I actually go pick up my son from school. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Um, and then I also uh, I teach lessons. And and then I play, I do rehearsals and gigs right now. I mean, my okay. common schedule right now is like Monday I work from 10 to 2, and then I go pick up my kid at 4. And then generally there's some type of uh, either a rehearsal or, or something going on. If not, I have a free night at home. It's mm-hmm. pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday I work all day. I actually work a split shift at my job, and then I go pick up my kid in the middle of the day. So I'm literally like out and hustling and bustling the entire uh-huh. day. Uh, Wednesday 
Uh, same thing as Monday. I, that's my generally my free time where I can actually schedule other rehearsals with different bands and, and stuff like that. And then uh, Thursday is my day that I teach lessons. Uh, it was for a while. I, I finally condensed it down, but it was for a while where I was teaching Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And for my own sanity's sake, I, I put that all in kind of made it all fit in one day. Okay. Um, and then Friday I, I work again in the morning and then I have, that's generally like a gig, you know, there's a generally a gig somewhere in, mm-hmm. inside of that. And then whatever stuff my, my son's got going on too. So if he's got any extracurricular curricular type stuff that's going, cool. going on, I go do that. Um, where I get my money and stuff from, I mean, it's from teaching and from playing shows and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you know, Soul Sherpa doesn't bring in any money. So well, right. we talked on the original episode is the money Soul Sherpa makes goes back into right the back band. In right, right back We actually, it. like I said, we're, we're, we got a final new setup for the band, and we're actually just scheduled our uh, recording time uh, for album number two. Uh, in May, so I'm really excited about that. But that was literally a year's worth of playing gigs that nobody took anything out of their out of the. the but you also now are not in the hole for anything. Yeah, so. now we mm. we've been able to buy a lot of cool stuff and get ready for the album and everything. But um, so and then so I mean I, I I make a decent amount of money teaching. Um, and I actually charge really really cheap in comparison to a lot of different places in the area. Okay. Um, and then I I just play gigs whenever I can. Um. You know, and I think the word kind of spread a little bit once I first took the plunge out of the, the full-time job. Because, like, I swear, within about two months, I had, like, three or four different people, <laughs> like, can you record on my album? Can you play the show Studio for me? time. Kind of studio time, okay. You know, it, what like, do you charge for studio time? Do you for, go by song or do you go me, by day? it all just depends on how the like how it feels. And who it is. Like, if, if it, for me, it's it's all about it's a la- it's a labor of love, no matter how it comes down to. You still got to be interested, and, in and it, it right? depends on how much like I'm willing to give to it. Because like I, I've had you know I've had people hit me up where they'd be like, hey, we'll give you a hundred dollars for just to come in and nail the song, and and sometimes saying you can that two takes, and then you can one take door, it, right? and you're like oh, one or two take it, and you're like they love what you do, or you can sit in there with them for a long period of yeah. time. They're like, hey, could you actually play like but da da da? No, no, but not but exactly. You start getting these weird kind, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like for that, I, what I charge is honestly what they're willing to give, but I, I do have a bare minimum that I'm not like willing totally. to, to do without kind of thing. Like if I'm going to take time, mm-hmm. cause that's the thing is, is, you know, everybody says time is money, you know, mm-hmm. and time really is money. I mean, like regardless of how you feel about it, like my time is either split up between like my girlfriend, my son, mm-hmm. or Work and yeah. work to me is music or yeah, anything that for the involves, most part you know that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to do more work, then I have to take more time away from either my kid or my girlfriend. So like, is taking two hours away from one of those things worth the five dollars, twenty five, seventy five, whatever dollars they're going to give me to go do that show? Yeah, you know that's what it really comes down to. I think before I, you know, had a kid or. Um, before my life, like before my girlfriend and stuff like that, I probably would have played whatever I could have got my hands on. But now I'm a little bit more selective if it's what I want to do. Gotcha. You know? uh, I actually have the ability to actually make those decisions and not just be like, I'll take whatever dollar you can give that's me. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good position to be in. Right. Yeah. Uh, not to say it's like super lucrative, but I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely days where it's like, I, you know, the, you, you break down a little bit and you're like, should I keep doing this? Like, uh, I just, my car just broke down. Um, uh, <laughs> like, uh, hopefully the gig will pay for it. You know, like mm-hmm. y- you get in those kind of situations. Plus I, I don't have, like, I'm looking into it this coming year, but I don't have 
health insurance. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't work a full time job. Thinking about doing and stuff. You, to, yeah. you those kind of those the things like when you're at home thinking like I'm going to be a full time musician. You don't think about taxes and <laughs> health insurance God, and yeah. those kind of things. Like that's a real thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have, have to be to, a functioning member of society too. Damn like, it. Like, <laughs> you know? Everybody thinks like like if you're like I've I, I've been saying that now for probably the last like six months to a year that I'm a professional musician. Yeah. If somebody asked me like, what do you do? I'm a professional musician. And you can always tell by looking at their eye, like in their eyes, when you say I'm a professional musician, what they think of you very quickly. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm a professional musician. If you get like the starry eyed look like you are, they're like, they think you might be a pretty cool person or like maybe cooler than you actually are. <laughs> and then like you get the, I'm a musician and they're just like, Really? <laughs> what do you, oh, what do you cool, really do? Cool. You know? Good for you. I've had many. I've had many conversations like that before. Like yeah. especially in airports, you're like hanging out at a bar, and mm-hmm. and you tell somebody, they're like, oh, you play? Oh, that's so cool. You play in a band? What's your band name? I'll look you up. I'll look you up. And then that's I'll a- get it. It never <laughs> fails. I will get like a message. Like two two months later, two weeks later, it's like, holy shit, you guys are actually good. I didn't. I thought you just made you My were bad. in a band. You guys are <laughs> actually good. Because I think most people think, oh, cute, a band. Yeah, I actually, adorable. I had my first, uh, I had my first experience of carrying my bass around an airport. Nice. And it made me, it, like, it made me feel like I was important. It was the weirdest thing because I had people like, like, walk by me and like look at. Because I have this why do you big think, base on my Why do you think bag? I wear sunglasses and a hoodie when I'm in the airport? Damn right. Cause, cause I, I felt like I needed to. Look at me. And I got like I got on one of the planes and one of the ladies because I was able to carry oh, my you my, got your my guitar my, there. They're like, oh, you're gonna play for us? And I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> and uh, quote unquote, I looked at her. I'm like, I don't play for free. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional musician. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> also, show me to my seat at the back of the plane, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I am not in first class, and you are. <laughs> That's how you know. No, I'm saying, please pay me to play. I'll do it. If somebody <laughs> walks on a plane with a guitar and sits in first class you know something's up that's right <laughs> depending on where oh, they're man. sitting on that plane you know whether or not that guitar means business right <laughs> all right so i got i got two final questions for you sure. number one cedar Rapids music scene do we have any hope to come together in this community to actually better oh, the boy. cedar Rapids music community because <laughs> i i've you, been you gone the hot takes so great. is what you wanted yeah, right you want the hot gone, takes it's been end. so great um i i've been a part of some other uh the cover band confidential group who we also had uh, Adam and Dan if you guys mm-hmm. want another music podcast check them out join their Facebook page their Facebook page regulates itself and has only good people willing to learn and willing to share knowledge which is what I hoped ours would have it never got that way um, you but haven't looked at it today have you no I haven't been on in a while oh the pot stirring today. Yes. There's some there's some there's some cool. stirring. There's some, there's some pot stirring. There's, there's some pot stirring going well, on right now. I'll tell you what, we'll we'll look at it. We'll look at it in between our podcast episodes and then we'll talk about it. But uh my my hope is that still this community, the reason I started the Cedar Rapids Music Scene group was because I have faith in how many amazing musicians we have around here, how many good good people we have around here, and how much we can come together and try to make music a, a staple in the community again. Um, I, I could tried to do what I could, I guess maybe it came off as a, ne- as like a negative of what I was trying to do, whatever. That's fine. The podcast has been awesome to just get to know each other, but like, do you think it can, it can be better than it is? Okay. So here comes the hot take. Um, so first, I'll, I'll first off by saying anybody who came, and I'm not like standing up for you because you're my boy or anything, nope. but anybody who came to you in a negative light, thinking anything more than what like you were doing was just trying to help. I mean, even 
I, I know you well enough, but I don't know you super well enough. If there was any type of like added benefit for doing what you you have been doing, it was easily all taken away within the first couple of days of everyone bitching at each other. So, <laughs> so for, for anybody who to sit here and think like, like get mad at you for essentially just trying to help everybody else out, I think is incredibly stupid. And for anybody in this music scene who acts that way in general, like just have fun being that person. Cause at a certain extent, like if you're just going to be negative and pissy all the time, m- reflect upon that for a minute and maybe think like if your band is not doing too well and you're pissy and negative all the time, maybe it's because I don't want to be next to you. Mm, That's a hot take. That is a hot take. I I will say in general, the like, like one thing that I've learned as a, as a musician the last five years, especially in the scene and everything is like, it's all about who, you know, Truly. I mean, like, you know, you build relationships with everything, with venues and bartenders at venues and other bands and everything. It's all about building relationships. And if you can't build a relationship and be cool with other people, then you will not succeed. And that's, I think that's in every form of business. Like there's not many people out there who can be an asshole their entire life (laughs) and then succeed all the time. It just does. Eventually it will tear them down. That's really funny. You brought that up. Uh, I may share this someday. I'm writing some, some articles of just music knowledge that I have. This one's called six ways to be an irreplaceable asset in your band. Number six, I will read it to you. Be a well-liked person inside and outside of the band. I can't stress this one enough. We have all, we all know a band that has one member who is not well liked. They act like an asshole on social media and emit an elitist mentality. You may love everyone else in the band, but that one terrible band member keeps you from coming around to watch them play. It's not just you. Everybody knows that one dreadful band member who, and will likely be avoiding the band as well. If you have a member in your band like this, the situation is detrimental to your ability to become more popular and get better gigs. When you're in a band, your actions not only reflect yourself, but they reflect everyone else in the band. If a member has a bad reputation, it's time to let them go. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's so like for everybody, seriously. I mean, whoever's listening, if, if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a listener. I listen every time you guys put out a new podcast, but for anybody who's out there listening, who actually gives a shit, I'm telling you straight up right now, if all you want to do is complain about everybody else and all your stupid problems, that's where you're going to stay. You're not going to get any better Mm -hmm. at anything in life. That's That's life. That's That's in general. Yeah. And I think, I think that, that toxicity of a person stays around and eventually will bleed into other people. Cause I mean, if you're sitting there, you know, for instance, like if I, the person, the person of my stature and like I am in soul Ship and birdshot, if I was going around saying port tornado suck, don't ever go to their concerts. <laughs> and I, pretty quickly it would, I'm mean, not to say like you, you, you know, like, the, like there's this weird mafia out there, but pretty quickly, like, I would probably see my opportunities start to thin out just because I'm being an asshole. Not right. because of I'm talking shit about the port tornadoes. I'm just being an asshole. Just being an asshole. Just being rude. And like, now you're hurting Drew and Bus and you're hurting the Soul Sherpa guys. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, Amy was on here and she said the nicest stuff about me. She Completely. always does. She's but too it, nice. She's too nice, especially to me, I, I feel. But like, <laughs> um, but like the big thing that she said was like, I came in, I did the job that she asked me to do. And then the big thing about that too is like, I was nice. I was, I was clean cut looking. I was ready to go do the job. Like, isn't that just common that, standard practice? I thought so. <laughs> no, but I guess I, not. I thought so. You would think. You would but think apparently so. it is not, it's gentlemen. Not. <laughs> it's, it, you know, and, and it's like it, it, it's even if people are not even trying to do that too. It's the same kind of thing as like if you go to a, a music venue or whatever, and you see one of your music buddies, and they come up to you and they just start talking music drama. 
Like uh, I've yeah. had to say to people before, I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they did something bad for that band. Like that okay, sucks. Like, so I because sucks. The last thing I want to do is have a preconceived idea, uh, like notion or an idea of what somebody else right. is without knowing. Because everybody's got two sides to a story. Completely. If the people who are no longer in Soul Sherpa went around and talked a bunch of shit about me, which there's a good chance <laughs> I, that did happen for a while. There, there's a good it? chance that something like that is, has happened. Or is, uh, I feel like I remember that specifically. If that stuff happens. I don't. I, I. I wouldn't want people to act the same way towards me either. Just if they heard something from somebody and then just assume that I'm a bad person mm-hmm. when realistically you don't know the full story. Um, finally, it, to see the the, commu- the community grow, I think it has grown in a way that like before this whole thing started, I didn't know that many people in, okay. the, in the music scene, and now I feel like I know pretty much everybody. I do feel. I do feel I like, feel you're like right about we're that. all like. I, I think it brings a, a better awareness of like. I, I essentially, I think it's starting to like kind of tear off bands in a certain extent to like, you're here, you're at this point, you're at the, like a lower point or above point. And, I, and not to say like your skills are, are not there as much as like, I mean, your ability, every, everything. I mean, like everybody in my band is a, is a well accomplished musician, but that doesn't mean we're going to be the best band around because our social media sucks ass. Our website's bad. Like we're like, there's all these things that we have to work on. And I think everybody has something else to work on, you know, in their own bands one way or another. You can always get better. And I feel like if you stop you trying to get better. You only learn that from seeing other bands, right? Exactly. So I, the way to, I think the way for the, the scene to, to grow and to continue to get better is to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing in the sense of, like, how can you compare yourself mm-hmm. uh, to somebody else? Stop, like, if you're going to, like, because I, I think that's a big thing that we talk about on on this podcast is, like, looking at different social media profiles or looking at different people's recordings and stuff. If you want to like, compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself in, in the right way and be like, what can I learn from it? Not like, oh, that sucked and that was bad. <laughs> Take all the negativity out, compare yourself and be smart about it. Like, and that's for everybody in the music scene. Like, you want to get better. Do you like that's the question of like do you want to get better or do you want things to stay the same? Right. You want things to stay the same, then keep doing what you're doing and, and have fun. Right. If you want things to get better, then work towards getting better. Yeah. But be positive doing it. Yeah. Being negative helps no one ever. <laughs> like I I'm a firm believer in that. I think uh I think you nailed it on the head, my my friend. Uh I'm hoping that the mic worked well on this episode. Uh, let me double. Would, I think oh, we would all know. Oh, oh shit! No, we didn't hear. Oh no! They're just entertaining oh. me at this point. <laughs> just put I, a microphone. I, like, I tried just to give the man you the motion high. earlier. Now bring in the bring in the next uh, guest. We're That's ready right. to go. We warmed up the mics, <laughs> dude. Pleasure having you here, Ian. How, how can everybody find you? How can we take lessons from you? What can we do? Um, well, uh, I teach at West Music in, in Marion. You're still so. taking uh, people on. Uh, I still have some slots. I have plenty of slots open if you want one. So I teach upright bass and electric bass. I even have been teaching one person specifically pretty much music theory. It is nice. connect, it is connected to the bass, but he uses it for everything. Um, so if you're ever interested in learning music theory in a very cheap rate, I can help you out with that. And, and if you have a child that wants to get a career in music, uh, being able to look back, knowing that bass players are few and far between. Yep. <laughs> my advice to any young musician to this day is to learn how to play something like the bass Quit guitar. No pick don't play bass. guitar. Don't play drums. <laughs> Either be, have a good voice or learn how to play bass. So get your yeah. kid in with Ian and have <laughs> learn how to play bass. Um, otherwise, uh, Birdchild's book and stuff all 
uh, all for 2020 right now. Uh, so I think we got a couple things in the mix for that already. I don't have any specific. I, I, they just tell me the dates and I put them in my calendar at this point. So I don't really have anything specific from them, but I know there's stuff coming out. So uh, Birdshot on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Soul Sherpa, we're actually doing what I call the, the Soul Sherpa Renaissance. We have new people in the band. Nice. We're going in and recording a new album. We're going to be working on a new logo. We're pushing out new merch. Everything well, is going like to be new. Summertime kind of thing. Something I'm like hoping that. so. Um, I'm hoping that's when everything we, we are booking for this. Uh, for the we're doing flat black again for Hell the album. Yes. I was just down um, there. Uh, May 28th to the 31st is when we're going in to do all the tracking. So sometime after May, we'll release the album. And and I honestly could not be more excited for this band. I think it's at its best that it's ever been. So and in the meantime, can they check out the original album on iTunes? And every, it's on everything still. YouTube's. I, yep. Everything's Soul out there. Sherpa. Yeah. The, it's all out there on pretty much every platform you can find, like us on Facebook and all that kind of stuff to stay connected. And, well, we'll be out there getting funky and doing weird stuff on the stage like we normally do. And I'll oh. be front row yelling stuff. <laughs> Please cover. Dumb S- band name. <laughs> Spody Odie, Dopalicious Angel by Outcast, And I will wrap it with you. <laughs>